0: She <Sings> you
1: coming, Uh, tonight's class was dedicated by my wife in honor of her grandmother. This is my wife's mother's mother, a very, very special woman, Um, very special. I knew her for a couple of years after we got married, a delight, Uh, 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 such a soulful individual with so much neshama. So much energy, so much... Ah. Anyways, her name is Nahama Bela, Bas Rabbi Yosef HaLevi. May this be to a nachas ruach. I can just see her felling from a nachas ruach that she gets from a So may this be a great uh, elevation for her soul. Carry her higher and higher and higher. May she channel lots of brachis to her whole family, all of her children and grandchildren, to our family as well. May there be much, much, much bracha and all that we need and all that we want. Very, very good. Thank you for that dedication. Uh, the CD this week was dedicated by the Smoliansky family. And this is an honor of the birthdays of both Naftali shalom and uh, al L'chaim Toivim Yaakov. They share the same birthday, I don't have it in front of me now. I forgot to write down the day. I think it's the 15th of Tammuz. So happy... No, earlier. Not the 15th. I don't know. I don't want to mess that up. But whichever the birthday is, it's this week. May Hashem bless Yaakov with a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful good year. Uh, A lot of success, a lot of growth. And uh, it should be a pride for your family. And only, only good. And uh, we want to wish a alias neshama, for Naftali ben Alexander. May his be elevated to the greatest of heights. And may he channel lots of brachas down to his family in all that they need and all that they want. Thanks so much for this dedication. Okay, after we've done the dedication, let's go on to the class. We don't have much announcements today, but we're ready to learn. Now, if anybody listening to the CD, um, and Thursday night this week, there won't be a Class, because I am doing a special farbringen. I'm speaking in Pico at uh, base Petzalel. This is going to be this Thursday at seven fifteen. So that's going to be instead of the Thursday night class. Next week, all the classes resume as regular Monday and Thursday, and then the Monday, and the Thursday earlier class, and the like. Okay. Um, this week is an exciting parsha, parshas Balak, and we read about Bilam being called this great prophet. Gentile prophet Bilam being called to curse the Jewish people. And of course, a great miracle happens, Hashem intervenes because of his great love for Israel. Hashem intervenes on our behalf on, on, on our behalf, and he forces blessings out of Bilam's mouth in the place of curses. And Bilam gives the greatest blessings and prophecies to the Jewish people. In a sense, the greatest of the great. He prophesizes about things that no other Navi even prophesized. And one of his great prophecies are that he's in the Torah at least. Later in the Naviim, we have many prophets that speak about the end of days. But in the Torah, we have very little about the end of days. But Bilam speaks to Balak and he tells him, according to most mafarshim, his last prophecies before he concludes and he finishes his Nebuah, he's prophesizing about the end of days, about the days of Moshiach. And this is what he says. He says, let me read the Pasuk. Um, I see him, and not now. I gaze at him. I can look out and see him. But I'm talking about something that's not close by, but something that's at a greater, farther date, farther away. What do I see? I have a vision. What do I see? Mi a star will shoot forth from Yaakov. From the descendants of Yaakov, the Jewish people will come forth a star, which means a king, a leader, become Shavat and then a ruling force Shavet as a Shavit means a staff, which is referring to a ruling staff. A great ruler will get up from the Jewish people. And he's going to destroy and eradicate the uh, princes of Moab and he's going to uproot all the children of Yerisha, And Edom is going to be uh, Yeresha means either inheritance, inheritance or Edom is going to be um, is going to become is going to be right um, means they 're going to be driven out and sayer is going to become also a Yeresha to say Se- to his enemies which are the Jewish people and the Yidden are going to become the Jewish people are going to are going to gain strength and gain power the enra now again it's hard to really explain these psukim because there are so many different interpretations according to the various different Rambam reads it one way Ramban reads it the other way Rashi reads it the other way however from almost all the Mepharshim, besides maybe one or two but almost all the Mepharshim, these psukim are to some degree prophesizing about mashiach again Bil- bilam has the vision of the great leader the great king the future king of Israel who will also be the king over the entire world Moshiach beno Rambam uses these psukim as demonstration that as to prove that even in the Torah the Torah, not not only in the prophets do we talk about a great future leader Moshiach beno but this is also in the Torah itself and he the Rambam uses these psukim to 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 say the, 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 the and that even the Torah either Olav testified about this great Melech the future King the King Mashiach. Now um, I'm not going to go into the various different interpretations of these Psukim, It's not for now. Uh, what I do want to talk about is the centrality of this figure Mashiach in Jewish belief, and the fact that this is such an ikara and this is such a basis. This is such a fundamental thing, which means that not only does when the Rambam puts and and establishes 13 principles of faith, which these 13 principles of faith, until the Rambam it wasn't necessarily clear that Judaism is based on 13 principles of faith, actually different opinions but it has been already accepted by the Jewish people that these are the 13 principles of faith and no one argues on it anymore okay, it's firm and established that in order for us to be complete in our Jewish faith and have the general um, um, belief system that a Jew is supposed to believe in, it includes 13 principles, which one of them is the coming of Mashiach. Now, however, what what we need to understand is that, and what I want to talk about tonight, is that this is not just a belief in a wonderful time and an era that will come one day when there will be world peace and the Jewish people will not have any, won't be subjugated to any foreign nation we won't have any other any, any, uh, con- no nation in the world will have any say over the land of Israel and over our government and we will be able to live in a state where we will be able to build a base Hamidash and live in peace and in harmony and no more suffering and no more illness and only good in the world that's one thing but there is another thing and that is at the very core of all of this is that this is all going to materialize through a human being a descendant of David, Moshiach Tzedkenu. And that is an absolute fundamental core belief in Yiddishkeit, as we're soon going to see from the Rambam, that you have to not only believe in the days of Moshiach, or in the concept of Moshiach, but rather in the literal Moshiach as a human being, as a, a king, a descendant of David. So I'd like to a little bit explore the idea of this Melech, Moshiach, why is it so important? So it's not just that because so the Torah says. There actually is one Tana in the Gemara, in the, Sech the Sanhedrin, Hillel, who makes a suggestion and says, Ain Moshiach li Yisrael, there's no Moshiach to the Israel. It's only God Himself who's going to redeem the Jewish people. However, as the Chassam Sefer says, and other, mefla- other halachic authorities say, today's days, if anybody sides with Hillel and says, So it is, um, then that person is considered an apostate, a non-believer. We cannot accept that. Hillel was okay because that was before, kind of Chachme Yisrael sifted it out and fortified and got a clear, clear thing. But once it's established, like in every halacha, you have different opinions. But once the halacha is established one way, that's the way it is. So we believe in the coming of a human being, and in our subjugation to that human being, and in a king. And we're very people today are very uncomfortable with this idea. 'm say and the reason why people are uncomfortable with the idea, first of all, we're very uncomfortable with the general idea of a king. Kings are something of the past. Kings are something that you know once were, and most of them were tyrants, and most of them caused a lot of suffering and a lot of pain, and humanity has advanced. we've progressed to a more enlightened state where we can kind of decide our lives with liberty and freedom, which is such important fundamentals today. Tonight is July 4th, right or tomorrow. I mean freedom, liberty. Um, you know, you don't have a king A government is only there minimally To be whatever it is But you have, every, you have your own freedom to live your life Who wants to go back to kings? Number one Number two When you start talking to Jews about Mashiach And primarily about a person Being that Mashiach They get very nervous Especially the more religious they are They get very nervous Why? Because they start feeling this is a Christian thing This is Christianity Christianity have a messiah and therefore, what are you telling me about? i a Messiah, this is a Christian thing. Which is a very, 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 very terrible thing. And it's against Yiddishkeit. <laughs> the whole idea of a Mashiach came from us. They took it, misused it. But the essence, Mashiach is a Jewish thing. Not only is it a Jewish thing, it's at the core of being Jewish. It's one of the 13 principles of faith. I just want to read to you the Rambam. With the Ramam late when he talks about the end and Hilchus Melachin, Ramam says Amelacham <laughs> Mashiach Ased Lamoid. He says in the future this the eleventh chapter. Mashiach is going to get up La Hachser Malchus Beis David. He's going to return the kingdom of David, of David LeYoishna to its, to its original power Hamamshala Rishina. Its first governorship. Its first power Uboynam Migdash. This Mashiach is going to build a Beis Hamigdash. And he's going to gather the gatherings of, 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 of the Jewish people. Which, by the way, those who attribute the return of the Jewish people through the Zionistic thing to Israel and see that as Moshiach, that's an error and that's a mistake because halachically in Rambam, the Rambam says that, that, that this idea of returning and gathering the Jewish people and building the Beis HaMikdash has to be done through a king from the descendants of David and Now I'm not saying that this can't be at a preparation. Of course it is. It's ridiculous to believe that the Jewish people are going to be exiled again from the land of Israel, and then one day, who knows, in a hundred years from now, God forbid, chas v'shalom, chas going to come. Of course, the fact that Israel was rebuilt and roads were made and the entire infrastructure and all the economy and everything has been built up, all this is a preparation. We can't see it as part of Moshiach's coming itself, because it has to be driven this, The entire process Of the return of the Jewish people To the land of Israel And the Mashiach era Has to be driven by a human being A king from Malchus David. That's fundamental That's just parenthetical the, the Israeli will gather the Jewish people And the main thing Rambam says And this is what we discussed in earlier Shear Also in Parshas Balak I think last year or maybe two years No, two years ago we discussed this very fundamental that the primary role of Mashiach is to bring back the full adherence of Torah and mitzvahs. And that's why the Rambam says And all rules, all Jewish law return in his days because today's days we can't do all the mitzvahs because we're lacking the Beis Amikdash. And also, all Jews are not in the land of Israel. You need to have all Jews in the land of Israel to be able to do all the mitzvahs, like the Jubilee, Yovel, and Shemitah, and the like. Certain things only apply when all Yidden are in Eretz Israel. We don't have that. So one of the primary roles of Mashiach, and actually halachically, his primary role is to actually bring back the full observance of Torah and mitzvahs. And in a sense, I should add more than not just bring back. It's going to be for the first time in history that we're going to have the complete observance. Because even though when we had a base Samigdash in the days of Shlomo Melech, we almost had complete observance, but we didn't have full, complete, complete observance, which we discussed in other classes, which is not the subject of tonight. I am going to touch about it on it a little later. But this is the idea, however, is that there is a machine, there is a person, he's a king, returns, the Jewish people gather around him, he builds, he brings the Jewish people back to the land of Israel, builds the base amikdash completes gathering the Jewish people and implements the law of Torah and mitzvahs and gets the Jewish people to, to keep it. We offer sacrifices. He restores, brings it back to that time. But what I wanted to read, then the Ramam goes on to a bunch. Here, but, but here's this line. the Boy. Whoever doesn't believe in him. You see this? Ramam doesn't say whoever doesn't believe in the era of Mashiach. Ramam says, whoever doesn't believe in him, a human being, and Ramam takes it even a step further, which I also want to address tonight. Whoever is not awaiting, awaiting. The Ramam says, you have to await this person's coming. You have to await for a human being to appear with a crown. Imagine that. This is so hard to digest. So how do we get comfortable with this? But I'm just saying first, what's to say? The Rambam says, not only you have to believe that it's going to happen one day, you have to await. This has to be your excitement in your life. You have to every day wake up in the morning and look around. Maybe Mashiach came. If you're looking in the news, maybe Mashiach came already when I was sleeping. One has to await for His coming. And the Rambam says, if you don't await, it's not lacking in your Yiddishkeit. It's not something missing. The person is not only a denier in the other prophets, which itself constitutes one of the 13 principles that we have to believe in the words of the prophets. Once the prophets were established as a Navi MS, as a true prophet, you have to believe in the prophets. But Ramam says, he's not only a heretic in non-believing in the prophets, one is denying the Torah itself of Moshe Rabbeinu, and one is denying Moshe Rabbeinu. And Rambam goes on to bring proofs from the Torah itself where it speaks about Moshe so, this needs some clarification. Why, and again, even though we discussed Mashiach's era a lot, and even though we did discuss briefly the idea that Mashiach is responsible as a human being to enforce, because that's the job of a king, to enforce the law. In the earlier classes, I did not discuss so much the person himself and the idea of this human king. Because one can really ask the question, well, don't we have God as a king? Why do we need a human king? Our belief is that God will be a king over the entire world. Why do I need a melech? So to understand all of this, and I hope I can really capture this tonight because we have a lot of sources and a lot to discuss, I'd like to use for one moment, I really want to get to the very, very root, the purpose of creation, the purpose of all of existence. Let's really get to the very, very, very nekuda, the very eponemius, the most innermost point of, of what it's all about. And again, what I'm trying to do tonight is I'm not planning to reach into a very mi- mystical, abstract, Hasidic explanation of Mashiach, but I would like to stick more on, from a more practical um, halachic understanding of this idea, even though I will begin, because to understand the halachic element of it, I will begin with a short quote from a primary Hasidic book, the book of Tanya, and I will quote from you from um, in his Sefer Shara Yichud VeHemuna, it's the second volume of Tanya, in his chapter seven, uh, chapter seven, Perig Zion. He uh, He says it is. Behold, it is known to everybody. So I guess the Balatanya was comfortable in writing this without even giving us a source, just telling this is known to mainstream Judaism. This is known to everybody the the ultimate purpose of creation of the world, his galus is because through the creation of the world, God actualizes and reveals his, king, his kingdom. Again, before Hashem created the world, God couldn't really be a king. The Abish that created the world. Because through the world, he can be a king. And then he continues, why, does, why is it ne- necessary for God to have a world in order to be a king? For one reason. Ein melech below am. There is no king without a people. A king is a relationship between a king and a people. He is their ruler, he's their king, and they're his people. So there has to be someone other. And the idea of a, of a people means someone who's not yourself. Okay? You, 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 you can't be a king over your own limbs because they're you. A king means you're ruling over someone else. Okay? And so, now, this idea really in Tanya, if we want to go back in Kabbalah, in the words of the Arizal and Eitzchayim, when he begins his writing of what stimulated the entire process of the creative process in the spiritual realms and the highest realms prior to the Tzimtzum, I spoke about Tzimtzum two weeks ago when we were talking about Parashat uh, Korach, we learned about the ideas of Tzimtzum and the like. It, it says over there, Kisho'olo, when it arose, Biritzono haPashut in his simple will, these are the words of the Arizal, not emloich, I want to be a king. Now, to find a, a, a source outside of Jewish mysticism, the source that God creates the world because he wants to be a king, we can probably find hundreds of them, but I'm just going to use one from Ethics of the Fathers all the way at the end of Ethics of the Fathers, this week's perech, we're going to be reading the sixth perech, everything that God created, he did not create it for another purpose, for one reason, for his honor, so God created the world for his honor, and it brings a pasuk, I think the it brings again I don't have the po- in front of me Hashem yimloch le olam that God will be king and reign forever and ever And that's the purpose see so see clearly in Priyavus Look, call everything there's, it's not like a certain part of creation it's all of creation and all of existence all of the cosmos everything that's there and even the spiritual when you say cosmos, we mean even the spiritual, sublime, godly world, up and higher and higher, one purpose. For his glory, what's the glory? That his kingdom should be revealed. So God wants to be a melech. He wants to be a king. A king is someone whose desires and wants are obeyed to and listens and has a people that are subjugated to him subjugated to him and I would like to talk about this soon a little later and clarify it subjugated to him with pleasure and with delight not as a tyrant and as a ruler a crushing ruler that enforces his will on everybody there's no pleasure in that there's pleasure in that for an evil monster not for our infinite endless boundless essence source of goodness and kindness it is however so the, the desire to be a king is where he will be the king over his people and his people with joy and happiness and delight willfully accept him as a king and his kingship with ratzon, with will they accept it upon him, on themselves. That Pesach phrase is the idea of kingship. Kingship is done with a people that enjoy and are happy and are delighted and feel it a privilege and an honor to devote and subjugate themselves 1000% to their king. This was God's dream, and for this he created the world. Now, when God wanted to be a king, on who is he going to be a king? Well, he tried with Adam and Rishon, but it failed. Okay, Adam and Chava, they almost managed to accept God as a king, but didn't really work out because they almost listened, but they didn't listen completely. Right, And then they didn't listen, they disobeyed him. And that created generations and generations of disobedient um, beings who are not accepting God as their creator. So, um, and, and, and one more important point. The kingdom of God must manifest itself down here on earth. It cannot manifest itself in the supernal spiritual worlds where, where there are celestial spiritual beings because they don't have free choice. As I mentioned earlier, kingship must come where there is a choice to serve or not to serve and one willfully accepts the king as their king, not is com- compelled to do so. In the higher realms, you know immediately if you disobey God, you lose your existence. You have become completely disconnected. You're, you're, you're severing yourself from Hashem. You have no life. You have no, it's, 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 it's suicide. So most uh, angels will not try that. There was an angel who once didn't listen. They took him out, the Medr says, or the Gemara says, and they gave him 60 lashes of a fiery whip. So over there they behave, and if you don't behave, you have immediate consequences. It's not a place where God actualizes his kingship. It is Dafka down here on human beings. Adam would have been a good candidate, Adam and Eve. They sinned. They messed up. It didn't work out with them. So what happened instead? God waited, and generations and generations and generations, there was no one there to be a king on Until he found one human being, Avram. But Avram, Avram, and he was a man who recognized Hashem as the creator of the world and recognized his role as a human being to be that servant of his God, of Hashem, who he discovered and he recognized, and who later Hashem communicated with him. And Avram, no, his devotion was limitless. His ability, his desire to be the servant of God, and to publicize God's kingdom to the rest of humanity. Knew no bounds and no limit. He devoted his entire life to do that. And therefore it says, we say, um God found his heart faithful. And he said, through him I will be a king. But he's only one human being. And I can't be a king when you have one subject. You need to have a nation. So, but Hashem said, okay, I have a seed. From this seed we can build a nation. It took many generations. Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, the 12th Shvatim, the Jewish people went down to Egypt and in Egypt, but in Egypt we became a people. When it came time to Yitzias Mitzrayim, the idea of Exodus, the idea of Yitzias Mitzrayim was that Hashem was taking his people as servants. He chose a nation from amongst the nations to serve him. In essence, he chose us already. We're from Avram Avino. But now he like re-chose, so to speak, or revealed his choice once we were a nation amongst nations. Problem is, we couldn't be God's servants because we were at least superficially, externally, on the outside, servants to the Egyptians. In truth, we were really servants to the Egyptians because like Hashem said to Paro, they can't be your servants, my star comes before, my document, that they are my servants... Is before you took possession of them, I they already had belonged to me because they were children of my servant of Avram He's already my servant, so they were born my servant. So they can't really be. It's like someone grabbing someone else's servant. Servant. It's not a real. It's not a real. They can't really be his master. But at least the externally, Pharaoh Paro was enslaving the Jewish people. We were Paro servants. So for that, God demonstrated. This is the first time in history, in front of all the nations, His power, His might took the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim and brought us to Har Sinai and over there that was the situation in other words from God's perspective he already took us to be his nation by Yetzias Mitzrayim to a certain degree the Jewish people recognized that and by the the Yamsuf when they were with the Yamsuf and they witnessed the splitting of the sea they had a very clear vision they knew what it's all about why are we here now? what is it all about? They said, "Hashem, Yimlochli, Olam vaed, God will be king forever and ever." They had." They understood that, and they're here to manifest Hashem's kingdom. However, in a full-fledged, uh, complete acceptance of Hashem as our king happened at Har Sinai. In Har Sinai, when Hashem uh, gave us the Torah, before he gave us the Torah, the Jewish people said something. They said, "Nase and and now, seven nishma really means we will do and we will hear. What does that really mean? That really means that we are subjugating ourselves completely to our king. Whatever he's going to say, we are willing to do. And then, God said, okay, I am God, your God. What does that really mean? I am God, your power. I am God, your king. And I, your king. From all the nations of the world, I am your king. Anochi yashem now, let, stop for a moment, and let's understand a little bit. When a nation uh, subjugates themselves and surrenders and accepts the king, we have to understand that there are, this is very crucial for everything we're going to talk about tonight, that there are two parts to that relationship. The is the internal, the inner part of that subjugation, and there is the external element of that subjugation. The internal element, the inner element of it, is that the nation sees the king as an exalted being, someone much higher than them, and therefore they, have, they understand that this human being has aspirations, ideals, goals, visions, that are so high, so great, of so, such grandeur, of such greatness, and therefore they realize how petty, small, and insignificant they are. All their dreams and all their aspirations and all their ideas are nothing to this great, elevated, higher human being. And therefore they feel that it's, they would rather live their lives in dedication and devotion to this person's ideals, dreams, and desires than to their own. Because they realize that their own desires and wants is petty, insignificant, and nothing towards, uh, compared to this human being. And they want to surrender themselves. So what they really, really are looking at the core is that they're surrendering their entire identity. They become their kings. Now, the king on his end means he is now sort of taking possession. They become his, which means he cares about them with all of his heart and soul and all of his being because these are his subjects. They care about him Because it's, it's a very deep it's, 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 it's a relationship That really mixes together All the emotions it's, it's one that has love It also has awe and fear It has compassion to it Because he sees how lowly they are How high he has tremendous compassion Victory They will want to fight for him Willing to die You have soldiers who go out to war And their biggest thing is to, is, to, is, to, is to win but even, even to die in war for their king is an honor. That's a badge and honor. The family will keep that badge forever and they won't, it won't be something that even hurt, I mean, hurts them the loss of life but to them it's like the greatest thing. He died for the king. There is netzach, there is hold, there is yis- all, the, all the experiences of every emotion all funneled together in malchus in kingship. The main thing of the melech is, of the king is that he is Mirumam. He is a meruma. Meruma means he is exalted being. He's higher, he's above. And they sense that transcendence. They sense that elevation. They sense that higherness of the king. And in that, they submit themselves to him. That's That's the penimias. That's the inner core of a king and his people. Then, externally, as a result from that deep inner commitment, comes the actualization of it. Now, how does the king govern? What does the king want to see in his kingdom? The king wants to see kindness. The king wants to see compassion. The king wants that everybody should be educated. The king wants that there should be justice and criminals should not be able to hurt anybody. So he wa- these are all the details and exactly how he's going to do it and these are the laws and rules that he puts in. Things that we can all appreciate and understand and sometimes he has certain things that the people don't understand. So whether they understand it or not doesn't make a difference but they submitted themselves to the king. At Har Sinai there were both these things. Onochi Hashem Elokecha is the relationship, is the essential relationship. I am God, your God. You're my subjects. Number two, then he starts listing the other nine commandments or eight commandments, which are already details, which those commandments later translate into other commandments. Six hundred and thirteen commandments. So you're starting off with the with the core commandments. We're starting off with the core with the core commitment and subjugation of the people to the king himself and then it's translating into the practical do's and don'ts of the nation as the nation are following the desires and doing what the king wants in our relationship with God again going back, the mitzvahs it's Hashem himself, we accept Hashem as our king, subjugate, we want to live for our king our biggest dream is to see God's kingship revealed on the entire world So therefore, let's take it further, when the Jewish people became God's nation and have subjugated themselves, recognizing Hashem's kingdom, we understand that even though we did it in the desert, the place for it really is not the desert. Because first of all, most of His commandments you can't apply in a desert. The commandments have to be done in a civilized country where people are are, 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 are living a, a normal life, and they are fulfilling the wishes and will of their king. Number one. But we also understand that God doesn't want to just be a king over one nation. God wants to be Hashem Yimloch Le'olam. Olam means forever, but Le'olam means on the world. God is the creator of the whole world. He should be the king over the whole world. So we the Jewish people, who are the ones who are the Hashem's primary people that have accepted God as their king from way back then, we have another obligation now, and Ramam tells us this, that it is an obligation upon the Jewish people, and that Ramam says in Hilchus Malachim I don't have it in front of me right now, where Ramam says that Hashem commanded Moshe Rabbeinu by the giving of the Torah, that He should command the Jewish people, that we are supposed to teach to the Gentile nations the seven Noite Laws and to teach them and to enforce that the nation should keep the seven laws, seven no-eight laws. Of course, technically, when the Jewish people don't have the means, we're in exile, so we don't have the means to do that, so we can't do that. But essentially, in our commitment to God's kingship, to God's sovereignty, which the ultimate desire is that God should be a king over the entire world, it requires not only the 613 commandments in which we, the Jewish people, are... Are supposed to serve Hashem And through that actualize the kingdom But it also includes All the nations in the world Living by the laws that God instructed All of humanity Which are the seven Noahid laws Okay, so now What was the dream? And what was the dream at that moment at Har Sinai? That a day will come That's when we were just given the instructions Because the world as it was Was a world very, very, very far from accepting hashem as their king let alone subjugating themselves to his desire and to his will the world was filled with idolatry with people believing in all kinds of other stuyat and all kinds of narishkeit and, and, and all kinds of other silliness so it's a long way until we will come to the time when v'hayah hashem la when all of humanity all of mankind will recognize god as its king there's a long way to go but the vision was there and even this that the Jewish people were taking upon themselves to be loyal subjects to God was also a, is also a a very big challenge because God did create us with the and therefore They acclimate ourselves to six hundred and thirteen commandments which branch off into thousands of laws in Shulchan Aruch, that's not that easy to comply with all of that so it's going to be a challenge okay but God at least is a king already at Har Sinai. Hashem became a king Let's not I mean we can't really see it yet As a king over the entire world But at least a king over Am Yisrael However I said earlier That does not really fully manifest Until we come into the land of Israel Because we come into the land of Israel Then we're actually living in the country Over here the king Can govern the, the land Based on his desire Which is Torah and Yitzhak. So to a certain degree, the next stage in the implementation of God's kingship and Malchus was when Joshua, Yeshua, brought the people into Eretz Israel and gave them the land. Now God has a land, an actual physical land, which he's, is his territory. Every king has to have a country. A king in exile is not much of a king. A king has to have a country. In that country is where he's a king. That's his territory. And of course, eventually, but we still need A palace Which is going to be the base of English and the like Fine However, there's still something lacking And here is really, 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 really A very, very fundamental point What is really lacking What's problematic over here is That even though we have everything Hashem's kingship has not Really manifested Until King David, David Melech. There is a Human being that is appointed to be a king over Israel. Now, most people would think that by appointing a king over Israel, it's actually a distraction from God's kingship. Because now there is another king. Till now God is our king. Now it becomes that there is another king. However, it's not that way. And the reason for that is because, you see, the relationship of king and subject is so deep and so strong, and it requires such... Constant obedience And constant surrender See, the idea of a king and subject Is not that An educator and students Educator and students means I educate you, I inspire you I bring you to richness Of understanding, of whatever Fine, that's something that's always Exciting, it's always enjoyable Kingship means submission Now submission is difficult It's hard to submit Submit means I don't do what I want, I do what you want. That's ver- Now, if you appreciate the king, you recognize, wow, this is my king. I'm actually excited not to do what I want. I want to do what you want because I, I know who you are. I recognize, wow, I'm so excited. I can't believe it that we managed to find such an awesome king. The entire nation is flabbergasted. They just came home from the coronation. The king gave such a speech, and he Touched them at their soul He turned on their hearts He literally It says the king is the heart to the people He really guts them pumping as a nation They feel so unified They seem so connected To the mission To the vision of the king They're excited But If you never saw the king And you never heard about him It's a distant thing And then he buds into your life Every minute And doesn't leave you alone he buds in on what you wear, what you eat, how you live It's not a king who's like like a people who want in America. The government should butt out of business. Here's the total opposite. This is a king who's budding into every aspect of your life. Take a look at Shulchan Aruch. It really creeps in to everything. It doesn't leave you alone in any aspect of your life. So if you appreciate the king, you can enjoy that subjugation. But if the king is a distant entity that's not, that is so far and so removed from your senses, from your sensors, so then. It can't be real. For that, there is the appointment of a human king. The human Jewish king is the actualizer of God's kingship. The human Jewish king, the real king... Now, I'm not saying there were many kings amongst the Jewish people that were corrupted. And they, of course, were off. But the ideal idea of a Jewish king is someone whose physical body is capturing within himself, through his neshama, he's capturing God's kingship. And he is being a king, not on his behalf, he's being a king on God's behalf. Hashem is being king through him. It's a pasuk. The pasuk says, we call the pasuk in Divre Ayamim, the pasuk says, "Mikol Bon, Divre Ayamim Aleph Chavches, Mikol b'Nai Kirabim Bon, and li Hashem." This is Dovid Amelch speaking. Va'yifchar b'Shloim Abini. Hashem chose Shlomo, my son, King Solomon, lo sheves to sit al kisei malchus Hashem al Yisrael. He's sitting on God's throne. When Shlom Melech is sitting on the throne, it's not him sitting on the throne, it's Hashem sitting on the throne, and through a physical person, Shlom Melech. but he's sitting on God's throne. There's also a Gemara Masechtus Sanhedrin. The Pesach says, the Gemara says that there are three mitzvahs that a king has to do. Three mitzvahs. One of them is, the three, three things that the Jewish people have to do when they come into the land of Israel. I'm sorry. And one of them is, they have to anoint a king. Number two, they have to destroy Amalek and number three they have to build the base on English. So the Gemara is talking about why, why what's the order? Why this what comes first? So the Gemara proves from a Pasuk in Pasha's Bishalach when there is the war against Amalek, it says, Al Kes Ka midor There is a hand on the throne of God. So the Gemara learns out the first thing that needs before you can fight against Amalek is Yod Al-Keska. There has to be someone, a yad, a hand on God's throne. And who is that? That's a king. So you see from the Gemara, the Gemara sees a Jewish king as sitting Al-Keska. Al-Kes Kisei. On the Kisei. The throne, of the Kisei of Hashem, which is the Melech. He is that, 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 the Jewish king. He is Kisei Hashem. He's God's throne in this world. I want to quote to you Words of the Tzemach Tzedek. Tzemach Tzedek is the third Chabad Rebbe. He has a book on the order of mitzvahs. Okay? And the, 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 the mystical significance of mitzvahs. But before he explains usually the mystical side of things, he usually explains the mitzvah moral, pepsha'at on the simple level. So mitzvahs minoy melech and sefer derech mitzvah seven. Hear these words. Hineh yeah. shoyerish Inyanamachavin mechavin melech. The main idea, intention of appointing a king who boy in him, and through him, the Jewish people will be surrendered to God. Because all Jews need to be bottled, a king, once there's a king, all Jews are subjugated to him. Now, he says two things, listen to the words he says. Number one, they need to be bottled, they need to be bottled, lamelech. That's what I mentioned earlier. If you're really close, number one, they're surrendered essentially to the king. He is their king, and their. Secondly, La la'mashmatay, they obey his every commandment. Remember, I said two things about a king. First, your identity is surrendered to this person. Number two, now you will listen b'chol Asha yigzar everything that he will command. of Shmuel, this is the mishpat amelok. You have to listen to him. Now here's the thing. You created an intermediary. You created now someone who's like other than God who's the king. No. That's why the first and most primary primary um, 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 requirement of a king is that the king has to be someone who is 1,000% nullified to God completely. The king is someone who in his neshama, he's an elevated human being. So to him, God is very real. To him, Hashem is absolute, the power in all of the universe. He feels it and sees it and experiences it in every fiber of his being. Hashem is so absolute, so real, so, and therefore he trembles and he can't move in front of God. <speaking in Hebrew> Hashem himself and the king is nullified to God. <speaking in Hebrew> the example he gives from David, who is the quintessential king. Imloy <speaking> Shavisi. <in Hebrew> If I did not, if I haven't been silent, Vidaymamti means I'm a domain. I'm silent in front of God. It is touched, his bittle, his nullification to God touched him so deeply in his heart. Even physically, he couldn't lift his eyes up. He literally couldn't pick his eyes up because Hashem was so vivid in front of him, he was so scared, not scared of punishment, but awed by God's presence. <inaudible> he couldn't lift his heart up <inaudible> to be a something in his own eyes. <inaudible> he was like an inanimate object <inaudible> that doesn't have movement. <inaudible> and this was the primary thing by a king. Shemachma Zanikramelach, that's why he's called a king. Shu and therefore because he was so nullified, that's why the, the Hashem can use him to be the king through him. It's like a king we know will never hang his crown on a if the king has to go to the restroom or something. Uh, and he uh, goes out, whatever, and he's not weary. So he will take his his maybe his stick if he has a staff or this and that. Even his, his uh, you know, he could take his, his coat and give it to a one of his servants. But his crown, he will never put down on a servant's head. He will always put it on a nail. Why will he put it on a nail? I'm going to nail a, a hook. But he will not put it on, on a table, or he won't put it on a servant. Why? Because <laughs> for one second, he'll think he's the king. Can't do that. But on a nail, you could put it. Why? Because the nail will never think he's a king. Because the nail is a nail. That's the way God will only give his kingship to someone who is a hook. Nothing more than a hook. <laughs> David HaMelech was so nullified to God like a nail. And therefore Hashem said, you're the, perf- you're the one. Through you I am a king. So when, David HaMelech, when once David HaMelech became king, he was anointed with a special anointing oil. He was filled with God's exaltedness. And he became such an elevated person. His vision, his ideas, his aspiration, but his his elevation was Hashem's elevation. And when the people saw him, they had such an excitement in his presence of him being their king and their being his, and their their his subjects. And they were excited because they're because they're, because a Jew wants to be subjugated to God, and the king is capturing God's God's element of of sovereignty, of rulership over us, that's where the subjugation of the Jewish people to David came, to the king. Once we had that subjugation in a very tangible way that you had an earthly king, a physical person that we can see and recognize and see and go out, take a go, 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 go travel to the palace and watch a parade, see the king, watch David Melech, see the way he comes and goes, you see that. What did that do to the Jewish people? It gave them powerful subjugation and deep surrender to Hashem. And that translated into what? Into the obedience of the mitzvahs. On the highest level possible. So there was no period that says, "Nohum Hagever ha-gever hukam oil, the sages say, the person, Umagever. so is the person, the words of the gever, the person hukam who has set up oil, the oak. So it says, that's David HaMelech, because he was the one who, who brought to the Jewish people for the first time in history, Oil, malchus, shamayim, the yoke of the heavenly kingdom. Until his days, people did mitzvahs if they felt like it. They wanted to, they thought it was good, it was beautiful, it was nice, they understood it. God's, they felt the subjugation. Hashem's will needs to be done because God is the boss and God is the king, and we want to serve him. That's surrender. So, in a sense, what did David Amelach do? also? He also completed, because we said before, mitzvahs are not just supposed to be done as nice, beautiful, godly ideas. Mitzvahs are God's will through which He exercises His kingship on us through the mitzvah. That's why we couldn't even do all the mitzvahs until David Amelach came. And He built the on Migdash. Then we, that was for the first time that we really were able to start implementing all of the mitzvahs. So he brought the completion of God's kingship to the world at least in as much as it applies to the Jewish people. How about the nations of the world? Some of the enemies of Israel were eradicated. They were destroyed. And, um, and uh, know, the might of David HaMelech reached to a certain degree. But it reached even a higher level when Shlomo HaMelech became king. Because the, the renown of Shloma HaMelech already influenced the entire globe. People from far and wide heard of Shlomo HaMelech. There was no more war. There was no, no one was gonna even going to attempt Chatz Shalom to uh, challenge the Jewish people and the like. However, it's not to say that the entire world accepted the seven Noah laws. That did not happen. So we came pretty close to the actualization of God's kingship in this world through David and Shlomo HaMelech, but it was not completed. Then, however, after Shlomo HaMelech, the kingdom of David Hamelech broke, was now divided. the kingdom of the Jewish people was divided. And there became another Melech in, in, um, for, the, uh, for the 10 tribes. The son of Shloma Melech, who is the, 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 the continuation of David's Malchus, of David's Malchus, um, remained ruler over only two tribes, or two and a half tribes and the rest of the Jewish people um, were ruled upon by another king. That too came about through a Navi. The Navi, the Navi came, that too came about, that too, that too came about through a Navi. The Navi came, and the Navi said a prophecy that by the will of Hashem, Hashem is appointing, He's dividing, he's splitting the kingdom of Of uh, he's bringing, he's dividing the kingdom of Israel. And there was another king appointed. So Rambam goes ahead and Rambam explains, if you look in the laws of this, that a king that's not from the descendants of David is also a valid king. And let me read to you what Rambam says in regards to other kings. It's important to understand this. Navi Shahamid Melech Mishar Shifte Yisrael, a Navi that appoints a king from other Shvatim, like the Navi did. In and Rechavam, the Yeravam um, ben Avot became the king of the other kings. Now, providing that that king is doing what he's supposed to do as a king, and that is going in the in the ways of the Torah and the mitzvahs and waging war, fighting God's wars. This person is a king; he's legitimately a king. And all the all the laws of a king are applicable to that king. But the Ramam says, af-al-pi, hear these words, even though the laws of a king apply to this other king, af-al-pi, a-f-al-pi le-David. nevertheless, the main kingship, the main kingship, remains to David, the year Muban of Melech, and from this other king, there could be kings, the other kings. Like you see, put up your Rammam as a king, and and I'll give, and his next son, so it will be. But nevertheless, David HaMelech is, but the Ramam says in Allah, Malchus based David, the kings of David, they're the ones who stand forever. Shanemar it says in the passage, your throne is going to be established forever and ever. If there will be a king from the rest of Israel, Tifsa Ramam says, even if it will go on for a few generations, in the end, it will be interrupted. forever. Why? Because Hashem made a covenant with, with, with David Amelach. Hashem made a covenant with David Amelach. He made a Krisos Briz. That to David Amelach, the Abishter, Hashem is giving his kingship forever and ever. That means he will be the melech of the Jewish people forever. It's possible that other kings temporarily can be kings, but that's only a temporary thing. The kingship forever is the Dov. Now let's really get a little bit of a deeper understanding in the difference between other kings. And after they, it's so strong that when they anointed another king, they didn't use um, the shemen and the special anointing oil that Moshe Rabbeinu made. That anointing oil was... Only used when they anointed descendants of David Amalek. Shoah Amalek, I think, was used and Amishcha, but that was before David Amalek's term came. But once David HaMelech, but even that, Shlomam, um, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was Nimshach, he was anointed not with a Karen, not with a horn. He was Nimshach with a Pach. A Pach is a jug. But David HaMelech, he was Nimshach with the and Amishcha, with the special anointing Lord. and uh, with a keren, with a horn, which shows on real malchus, and from the future, from the next generation, whenever other kings were appointed kings that were not from the descendants of David, it says they were used a special oil called shemen afar simon. It's a special perfumed oil, but it's not the oil of Moshe Rabbi. It was never allowed to be used on anybody. So far, a Rambam goes so f- goes so strong, and he and he says that the that. There, he uses terms that another king, Malchus is so inherently belongs to David Amela, that another king, anybody from a different shade, even though technically he can be a king, but him being a king is like a non-Kohen doing the service. Just like we understand that Kahuna is inherently given to um to Kohen, because God chose Aaron, and it goes over from... Gen- it's a hereditary. It goes over generation. It's in his genes forever and ever because it became part of who he is. It's not the, a, a, a Kohen is not someone who happens to have a, a, a certain privilege of, of working in the base on English. He's a different being. Today's day, you can even detect a Kohen gene. He's a different entity. He's the servant of God that God has chosen through which that he will uh, be the servant, and it's there in all his children. So the Ramam says... Any other king, even though technically he's king, but in truth, he's Kamozar, he's like a stranger, just like Kahuna we have the idea of a stranger. The same is also in in Malchus, in kingship, anybody besides from the the, the Davidic dynasty, it's like a stranger. So what does it mean, deeper? Deeper is as follows. You see, in kingship, the Baba Tireb explains it so beautifully. It's a very deep idea. And he says... That there is a difference. See, I'm going back to what I said earlier. A king has two parts to a king. Element number one of the king is, as I said earlier, the king is an exalted, elevated being. And am I not saying someone who is smarter? There's a lot of very Albert Einstein was a genius, but he didn't have kingship. He wasn't a. a he didn't have sovereignty. That wasn't distinct. He was a very humble person, a very simple kind of a guy. He didn't have that power. Sometimes we see someone has some kind of a charisma, some kind of a power over people that everybody that's an union of Malchus. Gentiles can also have it. It says that whenever a king, whenever we see a king, we say shanasan mikvodo, he's given from his glory. It's God's sovereignty that small little sparks of it are sometimes enclosing themselves in a king and that's what gives them that exaltedness. They're elevated. There's something else. So, in a sense, every king, even an, even a king from non, just like even a Gentile king, can have it. The czar was able to have it. You know, it was known when the, the Balatanya was in jail. There's a story that the czar came to visit him, dressed like a regular person. And when he came in, the altar ever stood up, and he right away bowed down, and he or he referred to him as your your Majesty. And he said, "How did you know?" So he says, "Because I sensed God's kingship, and when you walked in, he can sense it immediately. He picked up the Ebrusd's Malchus in this individual." So every king has it. And to a sense, of course, we can say if, it's, if he was appointed by a Navi to be a king, a Jewish king, he also has it. But nothing close like the king, like David Amelah. Why? Because their kingship of, of, of a regu- another king is mainly a king in regards to practical governorship. He is the lawmaker. He's like the president who makes the laws. Not so much the essential Elevation, essential uh, uh, um, um, power of sovereignty. It's similar, I'll give an example to that. Paro says to Yosef, paro, I am Paro. I'm empowering you that you're going to be the lawmaker of the land. And anybody who does anything, anybody who wants to bear a weapon, has to get a license from you. Anybody that wants to ride a horse, has to get a license from you. Anybody that wants to do anything, you're in charge of the whole country, you're governing, the prime minister. He's in charge of our everything. But I'm still the king, Pari says, Hakisei The throne is mine. Which means this exaltedness, this the crown, really, the Keser Malchus, the crown, that which makes the king totally above that he didn't give to Yosef. Yosef doesn't have it. The Abishter, God gives his Keser Malchus only to God. That means Hashem made a choice to this family. And in this family, the Abishhthar bestowed. The crown of Malchus The crown of Malchus means God's essential Sovereignty Hashem's essential elevation Over the creation To be the ruler over the creation So other kings can actualize And when they are king They have a legitimacy To make the law And everybody has to listen But you don't have that deep bond Between king and sovereign It only existed in David HaMelech And in Shlomo HaMelech And in a hidden way It continued on in the genes Of the descendants of David HaMelech Throughout the generations As it says Hashem promises already Yehuda La Yassir Shavit Me Yehuda Yaakov's blessings to Yehuda The rulership will not go away from Yehuda That's why Hazal say that Even throughout the exile There was always a person From the tribe of Yehuda That had that royalty that exaltedness and Jews felt that this is their king. He is their leader. He's their they're the person that they are, you know, they're surrounding themselves around this person and connecting to this individual. However, the the make the splitting of the two kings, as we said before, and the fact that Jewish people are subjugated to other kings, for, the, ten, for the, the, ten, the king of the ten tribes, and for sure when the Jewish people went to exile. And we were dispersed amongst the 70 nations. And the Beisam Mikdash was destroyed. So what happens now with
0: Israel, with the Jewish people?
1: Are we Hashem's people? We're still Hashem's people. Hashem has not sold us. We're still Hashem's servants. We're still His people. We still do His mitzvahs there's something essentially missing. Something deeply missing. All of our mitzvah observance is supposed to actualize God's kingship through us in in reality. And when I as an individual do mitzvahs, and you as an individual do mitzvahs, and you fight for your Yetzirah and overcome it and do God's will for no other reason because God is your king, there is still no display of God's kingship on a people in a very real way in this world. It's just not here. It's individual observance. You're observing, you're observing. And this one decides to observe, not to observe. Everything is like depending on what your own volition of commitment is. But there isn't an established kingship of God in this world. And the whole purpose of creation hasn't been realized. That's why we have an amunah and a belief in the coming of Moshiach. Because if the whole purpose of creation was that God should be a king... And in order to be a king on the world, the Jewish people have to come back to the land of Israel, build the base of Migdash. But more than all of that, there needs to be a human being who is from the descendants of David because it's only this family that captured that God made a bris, Karati bris libchiri. I made a bris with my covenant that I will never ever take it away. Look into Hillim. David HaMelech speaks such powerful words. Hashem says, even if the family will go astray, and even if they'll sin, I will punish them. But the chastim David lo'i amush I think that's the words. My kindness to David and my promise will never ever go away. Im David If to David I will lie. You realize that because if Torah mitzvah is true, Because God is true and Hashem is unchanging and His mitzvahs, which are His way in which He actualizes kingship on the world is true and it's true, that's why we know that Torah mitzvahs will never change. It cannot change, just like God will not change. And all of that is meant to be that what? That through that Hashem should for all of eternity be king over the world. And the central being of that kingship is a human being who captures that malchus. And not only that, takes it all the way to the end. And what's the end? The end is that every human being of the eight billion people on the planet should live their lives in subjugation to God's will, which is going to be the Hashem l'melech al kol that is what the Rambam is talking about. Yamoid melech. There will get up a king, a human being, a king, who is going to be a melech. And he is going to have that characteristics, that Davida melech. And more than that, all kings, why are they called? What did I say? What gives them that, that elevation? What gives them that, that sublimeness, that highness? It's because God's kingship is enclosed in their soul, and that's given to them through the Shemen Hamishcha, which the Shemen Hamishcha is a special ingredient oil that Hashem instructed Moshe, and it's eternal. We know that the full measure of that oil never used up. As much as they used it on all the kelim of the Mishkan, it doesn't get used up because it's eternity. And God gave that to Davida Melech, right? And that's why a king is called, right? The king is Nimshach with Shemen Hamishcha, yet. From all kings Which one is called The anointed one In all of history Mashiach "Canu Is called Mashiach Because he is the one Who captures That Transcendental Godly Royalty And kingship In him He is the most Humble human being Like David His father His grandfather he exhibits exactly all the all the all the traits of David, but much more than David. And in him, the power of the Avishur's kingship will be revealed much stronger than it ever than it was in King David and even in King Shlomo. He is the ultimate being capturing God's kingship. And what is he going to do? What's his job? Rambam says, brings the Jewish people back to Israel builds a base amikdash, gets all the Jewish people to obey Hashem's will because God said so. Not by explaining all kinds of explanations of the truth of Torah and the like. No, he tells a Jew, you're a Jew, do a mitzvah. Put on tefillin, keep Shabbos, do this because you're a Jew. And therefore you should do all the mitzvahs. It's simple. Do it because God said so. He inspires and brings all Jewish people to observance. Every inn, across the world. Not only that, he brings sheva mitzvahs bin Noach that the nations of the world should also start keeping their mitzvahs, and then after Mashiach will come, he will influence all of humanity to keep sheva mitzvahs bin Noach completely, and therefore the entire world will be subjugated to God. Then what's going to happen? Here's understand something: two things that we need to understand. Over Number one, the centrality of Mashiach to Judaism is because that's the foundation. The foundation of all our mitzvahs are being done. Why am I doing a mitzvah? Because me, before I even do the mitzvah, I, as a human being, am, am God's subject. I'm, I'm his servant. And I've, now, how do I serve him? By doing the mitzvah. But first and foremost, I'm your servant. So for that, I need to be able to do that. We can't do that without an earthly king who is representing the Ebershah's molecules. So we need that melech, number one. Number two, even deeper. Not only is this the foundation on all of Torah and mitzvahs, and that Hashem really wants mitzvahs observance, and this is the foundation of all of mitzvahs, this is also the purpose of all of Torah and mitzvahs. The purpose of all of Torah and mitzvahs is that through us doing the mitzvahs, what is going to be, what's going to happen? As a result of all the collective service of all Jewish people, and all of humanity, keeping their commandments that God gave them, what is all that going to display? What is all that going to bring? Well, that is going to reveal that God is God is the King over the world. That's why, through who, through Mashiach, who is the Abishter's agent? Not agent. He is God's God's manifestation in this world as King over the world through this person. If you take a look in Rambam, in Pirush Mishnah, the Rambam talks in in, in, in Sanhedrin. The Rambam talks about the fundamentals. The Rambam says such powerful things. The Rambam says, oh, the days of Yeshua, whose man Shetosh of Malchus Yisrael, kingship is going to return to the Jewish people. Eretz they're going to return to Eretz The V'yia Oisai Hamelech godol Mo'od, and that king will be very big." He says certain things that he doesn't say in his Mishnah Torah. And his his palace is going in Tzion in Jerusalem. He's not talking about Beis on He's talking about his Mashiach's palace will be very great. And his renown will come and be filled with all the nations. Ramam is emphasizing more than shloim amelach. All the nations Kutim the Rambam is using for all nations All nations will make peace with him Viavduhu, and everybody will serve him Kol HaRotso Yislit HaGadol They'll do so out of joy Because of his great righteousness Ulun And to the wonders that he will show Shiyal al Whoever will stand up against him Will immediately be destroyed Hashem will destroy and so forth Fine Then Rambam says a little later Also in Pitarusha Mishnah the, 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 the yisod of believing in Mashiach, to be to believe and to be sure that he will come, and not to think that he will delay. if he takes if he's tarrying if he's taking a long time, wait for him. and then the Ramam says, hear this: part of the belief in Mashiach is to believe shliyah Yisrael of will call hamalochim shohayem aolam. To believe that he will have more covet and more greatness than all the kings that have ever king ruled, and umisha um, has stopped it. But I wanted to get to this line. Whoever has doubts in him, or you believe that he is someone, whatever, but you, you, but you're minimizing his greatness. Kafar b'Torah. This is a this is a denial in the Torah that the Torah says the fairish of him. But here's the line that I also wanted to get to. Umikol um, um, including in this foundation ella David There is no king for the Jewish people, only from this family. Even though we've discussed earlier Rambam says there can be other kings. That's not the true element of God's kingship being conquered, being captured in them. everybody that fights this family, Kafar Bashain, he has denied God in the words of the Nevi'im. This all tells us how without Mashiach we, we, we have nothing. Nothing has been accomplished. Nothing. That's why when you take a look at the Navi in the Kessel, people think, you know, Mashiach coming, it's dependent, it's a reward for the Jewish people. We behave, we misbehave. Well, we behave, we're going to do tshuva. If we do tshuva, God is going to reward us and bring us a Mashiach. If you look and say Sefer Yerkeskel, you see, it's not. that's not the story. The Ebesh, there is complaining, Yecheskel and Lamed Zion, it says like this, the, God says, When the Jewish people were dis- dispersed amongst the nations, and where the Jews came amongst the nations, They desecrated my holy name. This is the biggest Chilul Hashem. God is saying, this is a, this is a desecration of my name. Why? They say, the nations say, Am Hashem Eila. These are God's people. God is not king anymore. These are God's people, the Ma'arzayatzu. They went out of his out of his land, and the Abishta says, Echmoil al Shem I have mercy on my name." Mashiach is very personal to God. It's about Him being a king. That the Jewish people, by the mere fact that Golos is here for another minute, it's another Chilul Hashem say to the Jewish people so says God Hashem. not for your sake I am doing this for my holy name that has been desecrated amongst the nations by not being a kingdom in this world which is God's kingship. and that's Moshiach's kingdom. it's the abishter's Malchus in this world that we have to wait this also is the reason why Rambam I want to conclude with this I'm getting a little late but the reason why Rambam says in his thing That if you don't wait for Mashiach's coming It's not enough to believe You have to wait Why? Because at the root core of a Jew Is that we want to be Jewish We're not poor things we, we were so unfortunate we ended up being born Jewish We have all these commandments and all these stuff Rambam says that's not true. God would never want to be a king over those who don't want him to be, a subject, to, want to be a subject. Rambam says that if you're going to open up the heart of every Jew and reach the deepest part, you're going to find that every single Jew, even someone who on the surface seems to be distant, far, disconnected, not interested in any religious observances and the like. Rambam says, kol ish Yisroel, every single yid Roitzel Yisroel wants to be a Jew and he wants to fulfill our mitzvah, mitzvah, and he wants to do all the mitzvahs and he wants to go away from all that it's embedded in us that's who we are when Hashem chose we are little Avram Avinu just like Avram wanted this with, with this love is inherited to every Jew it's, it, and that's our essence so every Jew wants Hashem to be a king Ramam says two things every Jew wants to be a Jew and every Jew wants to do the mitzvahs and keep away from every other but you see an interesting thing what does it mean every Jew wants to be a Jew? That means every Jew wants to be part of this nation that's God that Hashem is that Hashem is every Jew wants to be part of this subjugation. That's the, that's the essence. Now, if you want Hashem to be a king, how can you tolerate the fact that this thousands of years are going by and this kingship is not happening? It's not being revealed. It's there in a very, very, very weak state. If you want. In a sense, all the Jews that were waiting in Golos for Mashiach to come, the real Nikud, the panemius of that waiting, they were waiting for the Melech Mashiach, Because in that Melech is where the deepest desire of every Jew comes out. I want to be Jewish. I want to do God's will. I want to be a servant. And Mashiach will teach us how to be a servant through Mashiach. This is the centrality. This is its essence. By studying about this, learning about this, Recognizing this, we will and, and realizing the reality of this, and how real it is in our days, because Mashiach is something that ha- must happen, mamish, mamish, mamish. Soon we will bring about the coming of Mashiach. But this is so important because there is such there is such confusion when it comes to Mashiach more than any other subject in Torah. Where people just don't know anything. All people talk about is what the war is going to be and the this and the that, and they're not realizing the essence core. Of what it's all about, so I feel that like this is something that is so important to discuss, and I wish I can give more classes on it to further elucidate and clarify this idea in a way that we should all understand and appreciate, so we prepare ourselves, our families, and everybody that we have connection to to the to the coming of Mashiach. May it be
0: now.